You are listening to You, Me, and an Album, episode 140. I'm Al Melvin. When I heard Wasteland of the Free, especially coming out of There's a Wall in Washington, it felt like I was listening to like the Dead Kennedys, like like Bedtime for Democracy, or like their, some of their later lyrics, some of their later records, you know, maybe not their early, really fiery stuff, but it felt like I was listening to someone that was just like, writing lyrics that really spoke to me. That was Joe Steinhardt talking about Iris Dement's 1996 album, The Way I Should. Joe is the co-founder and owner of the Philadelphia-based label Don Giovanni Records, and he is a guitarist, vocalist, and songwriter for the band Modern Hut and formerly of For Science. Joe is also an assistant professor of music business at Drexel University. Joe, thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule to uh, come on here and talk about a really cool album, and uh, welcome to you, me at an album. No, this is this is actually very exciting. Uh, it is for me too, uh, and just from the the intro there, uh, there you you've got a lot of different things going on, um, and we'll talk about uh, at least some of those things. Uh, I certainly, want to talk about what's going on with the label Don Giovanni, and uh, we'll you know certainly uh, get on uh, touch on a number of those things. But uh, we are here primarily to talk about Iris Dement. And I am looking forward to this a lot. And I just want to dig right in and ask you what your introduction was to her music. It's funny because I knew you were going to ask a question like that in my head. <laughs> I was like, and then I w- I've actually been trying to be really introspective of where I first encountered Iris Dement. I think it was actually in the credits of Northern Exposure. Um, and I just remember hearing our town and just thinking it was a beautiful song. Go on now and say goodbye to our town, to our town. Can't you see the sun setting down on our town, on our town? Good night. I've always been like a big TV nerd. I've gotten to a lot of music through, you know, various sinks over the years especially though you know in a sort of more pre-internet era um because i remember then having to like figure out what that song was um and it was a song called our town which is one of her one of her biggest hits probably her biggest hit actually off her first record infamous angel um first and, song she wrote too i think if if yep. wikipedia is to be believed yes yeah. yes she wrote our town it's and actually weirdly like Jody Stecker and Kate Breslin covered it. And I now work with Jody. Like, I feel like there's so many connections through Iris Dement over the years to me and the label and my songwriting. But I think a lot of people wouldn't um, normally see, you know, but anyone that kind of knows me has probably been hearing me talk about her for a really long time or maybe <laughs> been dragged to a concert or, or something like that. Um, but anyway, yeah, I got into her through through our town and and then i think i didn't actually i I definitely didn't get um the way i should when it came out but i probably got you know i probably got it four or five years later um and i think it was one of those things where i i had infamous angel on cassette um which i still have that cassette um and I was kind of content, right? Like I, my musical taste was less broad internet. I think it's important to remember like pre-internet, you just weren't used to like listening to every single album by every single artist that you kind of liked a little bit. It was much more like I have this album and this is going to be my relationship with Iris demand. I have this album and my relationship with this artist. I have like these four albums. Like, this is my relationship. And that was just what it was. And sometimes it was just the albums that you found versus the ones that were even like you heard were the best ones and you never saw them and so um infamous angel was kind of considered like her classic it still is by a lot of people um and that was just kind of i was content and then i think i found the way i should use that princeton record exchange on cd um and i was like yeah i should i should grab this out and that was probably it probably close to like the year 2000 
probably close to year 2000, 2001, when I got the way I should. So I was already like a pretty big fan of Irish Dements. Um, and I actually, I did something backwards. A lot of people, a lot of people got into um, Irish Dement through John Prine. I've heard that's like a, a lot of times if I even mention Irish Dement to people, they'll say, oh yeah, she does all those songs with John Prine. She has some really famous duets with him. In spite of ourselves, we'll end up sitting on a rainbow. Against all odds, honey, we're the big door prize. I got into John Prine through Iris Demand. I did it, and he's now he's like one of my favorite artists and has been for a really long time too. But I kind of did it backwards. Like I got into Iris Demand, and then it was like, oh, she's on these songs with John Prine, right? Like uh, I should see who this guy is. Um, <laughs> which is again, it feels weird saying that now at like twenty. 23 but you have to imagine when i was like um you know like a 16 year old hardcore kid um in new jersey there weren't a lot of people that were talking to me about like john prine songwriting or or iris demands like songwriting there <laughs> right. wasn't really like an internet that i was using to talk about that stuff either so you know it was it, it was it was like i've now heard of this person i should try to like find his records too but yeah i got the way i should probably in, in 2000 at a Princeton record exchange sorry i'm going on a long ramble aren't i no no this is it's fine because uh that you know it's kind of what i'm looking for is the evolution of the the relationship I, I find that stuff really interesting i do too that's why i love podcasts like this like it's to me it's less about the album and it is more about like the person's process of like yeah the relationship with the album and i think that's a really special I think about it a lot, especially coming into doing this video. I've been thinking a lot about my relationship with Iris Dement and her work. Um, so to, to, yeah, take it just a step further. So um, you got the, the first album first and, and that was um, the way I should, was that the, the next step or was, yep. were there some intermediate? Yeah. Steps? So she has an album called my life. That's incredible. I actually, I thought about even doing that record for this but it's but um but the way it should made made more sense for a lot of reasons that probably when we get into it we'll get there um but i didn't i didn't even know my life existed that's the other thing um that i think is kind of fun to think about a lot like and i sometimes will talk to students about this or even just younger artists about like life before the internet where you there was just things you didn't know existed if they weren't like deep in your wheelhouse right and this was out of my wheelhouse i kind of like fell into it fell into this i kind of fell into this iris dement universe um so to speak so i didn't have like friends or older brothers anyone being like here's all these records and i, I certainly wasn't listening to like prairie home companion or some of the spaces that she was like really popular on mm -hmm. um or even npr at all at the time um and so it was just kind of like, oh, I just, you know, here's another record. She might have 20 albums. She might have like two albums, like, but it was the way I should that started my journey into kind of like obsession with her um, healthy obsession as an <laughs> artist. Uh, um, and that to this day, just like, um, you know, that's when I was like, I want to actually actively like read interviews for her and find out what I can find about her and, and find all of her records and go see her live as many times. So it kind of went, that was the record where it felt for me, like between just like, okay, this is an artist with some songs I really like that I'll put on to, this is, you know, an artist that's, that's really important to me, you know, and then over the years, she's only kind of gotten like more and more important to me. Well, you know, I I can kind of understand being new to the album, being new to her music altogether. Uh, but the problem for me with that is that I only really know this album. I, I listened to a, a few other songs, um, but not enough to really, you know, get a sense of what's different about the way I should as compared to the first two albums or anything that that came afterwards. So, what was it? about this album that took you from, you know, somebody who was kind of a casual fan and listener to, you know, by your, your own term, uh, you know, sort of a, an Iris Dement obsessive. <laughs> Ahead, as they say. Yes. Um, it's, I mean, well, for starters, just to answer that first question, sonically, 
there's really not much difference. So it's not like a story of like of production. Um, she's had some really, she's always had really good production over the years, but it's not something where it's like, oh, this is whatever. Um, if you listen to all of her records, they're, they're pretty consistent um, sonically. And what really sets this apart is, is the lyricism um, almost instantly. I don't want, I feel like it sounds like really um, the right word, like, but, but it's like this record, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I feel like there's, you know, and I'm not trying to be a, you know, I can't think of the word I'm looking for right now, but um, like when I put this thing, when I put this record on and I still, and that's what happened. That's when I, when I asked you if I could do this, do this record, I went and I, I put it on and like just um, immediately it was like this, this feeling um just the power of like her her lyrics um her lyricism is so on on this record and her songwriting her songwriting is really really good here too um but i think i've always appreciated i, I guess they kind of go hand in hand yeah well yeah to just pull back the curtain a little bit more on what you you were starting to say i mean we had some back and forth uh there were several yep. albums that you were considering uh at one point i had started listening to to vic chestnut uh west of rome because i yep. you know we had kind of settled on that, but you're like, no, 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 no. Is it too late? <laughs> Can we switch? And I, which of course I was fine, fine with it. But on the first listen, I instantly understood why you wanted to make the change, which is nothing, uh, no commentary at all whatsoever about Vic Chestnut, Oh, which yeah. I think would have been interesting too, based on what I, I listened there, but right away. Cause this is this, her, her sort of music, um, you know, country folk is not, not my strong suit, not my wheelhouse. Um, you know, thanks to this show and talking to so many people, I've really opened up to it much more, but it's still not what I gravitate to. And on that first listen, I, I kind of became a fan. I like, I wanted to know a lot more about her. And, um, like I said, did seek out a few other songs. Um, so I, I, I get it. I think I, I think I get what you're saying. Yeah. And well, are we allowed to, should I talk about Vic for a second? And that, Go right ahead. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure if we're pulling the curtain for just you and me. Yeah. So, I mean, West of Rome is another record. That's one of my, it's just a record I go back to all the time and one of my favorite records, but it's a really mean record. Um, and I'm trying to think, like, I think that's in some ways the best way to put it. It's a really mean record. It's really well-written it's also just got incredible lyricism um, and it deals with really dark themes and it deals with them in a very mean way. And I think for a record like that, you have to really understand a lot about the narrator, Vic and Vic Chestnut's life. And the father they now sponge the meanness i won't justify it but it starts to make a little more sense and when you talk to people that have been around him you know more around him right um and then it's just like i wasn't this the way i should like this iris dement record actually deals with very similar themes um and it still gets really dark but it's not mean. And again, there's, I think the Vic chest, I, I think some people look at artists like Vic chestnut and they look at artists that have been really self-destructive. And I think they see that meanness and that self-destructive is part of what makes those artists great. And mm -hmm. I've always looked at it as the opposite where those artists have managed to be really, really great in spite of their meanness, in spite of their, self-destructiveness they've managed to be great in spite of all of these you know darker elements and so i don't see that as a positive i i also don't see it as something that can kind of like stop an artist from being great and again so that vic chestnut record is really great and i've just I, I i go back to that one all the time but i was i didn't want to go back to it um at this particular time and then 
my I instantly was like, you know, where I want to go instead is this this Irish Dement record. And I, I put it on on my headphones on my bike ride in. Like I was li- I was literally I was listening to Westeron preparing for this, and then I was like, I don't want to listen to this right now. And I was like, I think I really want to listen to the way I should. And this it was like before the first song was even done. I was like, I it's like I I almost pulled my bike over to email you. I was like, I'll I'll get myself in and I'll write them. <laughs> But I was like, I think we need to do this this other record. I think I was wrong. Well, I'm I'm glad you did. And like I said, the other would have been fine in, in any number of albums that we we actually wound up discussing. But <laughs> like I said, on the first listen, I I got why you felt the need to make make a change. Um, and yeah, I'd like to like for folks to kind of hear the reasoning, at least initially in your words, because I you know I certainly have my own reactions to the album, which were were pretty strong. Um, but you know, you, you've talked about the fact that she's a, a really good songwriter. Uh, you know, the lyricism in particular is, is just really remarkable. And I'm sure, you know, there's, there's just tons of examples you could go to in the album, but you know, like what, what is it either in terms of particular spots in the album or maybe just particular things that she does with her songs that, you know, make this such a remarkable album for you? I think the two clear highlights to this record are going to be the title track, The Way I Should, and then Wasteland of the Free, which is the third track on the record. Um, But again, this is not really a record I skip around. There's one or two songs I might skip depending on mood. And they, because they actually feel more like they belong on a different record of hers. And I, in some ways I actually think that's like probably I, again, I know I, this is one of the records I'm, I know very little behind the scenes about other than what I've read in interviews. But it, I, but as someone that runs a label um, and that teaches business and stuff, I imagine that was intentional because they didn't want to lose the crowd from like her older records. And it was like, maybe we should put these two songs on here. But I, I don't actually know. Um, but Wasteland... Well, Yes, yeah, sorry. I just I want to uh, jump in because when you said there's one or two that you'd skip because they they sound sort of out of place on the album, I I instantly thought of this kind of happy. So I'm wondering yep. if that's what you had in mind. It's, it's, really... it's actually this kind of happy, and and then the one right before it, um, I'll take my sorrow straight. It took such a long time that I thought. I'd never find this kind of happy with you. That's a kindness that I don't appreciate. Cause I like to take my sorrows straight. Both feel like the sort of more traditional, and she again, she's in a. She's an amazing like songwriter of those songs. And there's times I want to listen to those songs all the time. Um, but they feel more out of place on this record than they probably would on like the infamous angel or something like that. But I think mm-hmm. almost every record of hers has, I think she just likes to write songs. Right. And so I won't know if it's a business decision or I, I don't really know how these records get sequenced um, or they decide what kind of ends up on them. But that's my like imagined story is that it was a sense of like, let's make sure we don't, we, we, we sort of speak to all the different fans, you know, and people that still want to hear just like your, your just really good kind of like more traditional, you know, love songs and stuff like that. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause it's, you know, and you were, I think you were about to get to um, wasteland of the free, yeah. which is probably the angriest of a, an album full of, angry songs and so yeah uh, this kind of happy even from the title you can see that it's not really going to fit that uh fit that mood but anyway so i'm sorry to, to to interrupt um but yeah that that track in particular i think is a, is a really great one i'm just interested to hear what you have to say about it yeah so wasteland of the free is it's like one of these songs again so when i when i discovered this record i was still deep into kind of very like i like hardcore punk political hardcore punk and almost nothing else um which again feels like a very um old school 
opinion because I think we're used to being able to just listen to every type of thing we want at all times now. But when you had to kind of just like decide where you were going to spend your money on building a collection, you did have to be a lot more like, I'm going to pick this one genre and just get like really, really into it. And for me, it was like political hardcore, political punk, like thrash, you know, um, I grew up in a house without music. Like my parents didn't really listen to any music. So there wasn't like the music in the house that I had. It was just so I, I was very like tunnel vision. Um, and then I had a couple other random records for cassettes, like this Iris Dement infamous angel record. Um, and I would just kind of bring more into the house. And I was doing a lot of like buying and selling of used stuff at the record store um, at that age. And so when I heard Wasteland of the Free, especially coming out of There's a Wall in Washington, it felt like I was listening to like the Dead Kennedys, like like Bedtime for Democracy or like their, some of their later lyrics, some of their later records, you know, maybe not their early, really fiery stuff. But it felt like I was listening to someone that was just like writing lyrics that really spoke to me. Um, they were like, it just showed me you could be aggressive, political um, in a setting outside of hardcore and punk. And I think at least at the time, that's a lot of what attracted me to the hardcore scene was this sense of like music is more than music. It's it's sort of like politics and everything in between. Um, and when I heard the song, it felt like something that it could have come out of that scene if just like not written, you know, musically the way it was. And there was this video I'm like obsessed with um, from 2006 before this. Um, and she's playing the song like acoustic at a, I think hardly strictly bluegrass, one of these festivals. And the vid it's one of the most poor quality videos you'll ever see. And yet it's been watched so many times, including by me because of, the rawness of her performance, like really, it's so good. Like I, you should find a way to watch it. I can send you a link. Um, yeah, please do. And I'll put, put the link in the notes. As please well, do. But and I it's want to see that. Yeah. And, and I think it shows the power of it. Cause again, it's got like a hundred thousand views or something, you know, it's like it's, it and it's really poorly shot and the audio is not even that good, but it's, something that you're just like, I need to, I've, I've watched it so many times, just like thinking about songwriting and, and what, what a song can really say. There's been a couple songs in my life and a couple records in my life that have that have they've changed my perspective. It's not like I'm a I'm a songwriter. I'm really more of a label person and I work with artists. So it's not it's not that it's changed my perspective on what I can do, but it's changed my perspective on what a song can do and what an album can do. And it's made me rethink of like what I want to do, who I want to work with, like what types of artists do I want to work with, what types of albums do I want to put out. And so they don't all have to be political. There's songs that have made me realize the opposite, where I'm like, wow, this this I've never realized a song can make you feel this, you know, emotional about something. And, and that's really important to capture, too. But this was one of these songs that just I like, didn't really know. I'll, I've listened to the song. God knows. I've listened to the song for 20. God, almost 23 years, this song and this record, and I'll put it on. Um, and I you get the, you, it conjures up these these feelings and these emotions um and it's just that well written and and, and the irony is that the production is like whatever the product i'm not the production's not it, it, the production's very traditional nashville mm -hmm. of that era like randy struggs did it really great producer really really competent band but it's just this very tight nashville production but there's nothing interesting about it the production there's nothing uninteresting there's nothing interesting I think that's part of what's really cool about the song. And, and it's, it's, I think you mentioned it's the third song on the album. So you have an, an opener that is, is a sort of introspective in a way. And then you've got, there's a wall in Washington, which is just incredibly moving and kind of yeah. softens you up. And then you get 
blasted in the face yeah. with uh, Wasteland of the Free. And and what I think is just, to me, the first time hearing it was such a, a cool contrast and made it such a like an unexpected thing. It was like you say, it's this very traditional kind of arrangement and production, but she is just kicking ass and... Um, yeah, it's 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 hardcore in its own way. And I, I feel like against that backdrop of this very traditional arrangement, it actually has more power. Yep, I completely agree. I was like kind of confused in a, in a really great way. <laughs> I was sort of confused the first time I heard it because, you know, right away you can tell it's it's going to be sort of this very familiar type of, of country arrangement. And then you, you start listening to the lyrics and, and it's impossible not to listen to the lyrics. Yeah, in that song and in several of these songs, because for me, it's I mean, the lyrics are just so perfect, just no excess cuts right to the bone. But her delivery is so immediate. Yeah, um, that is impossible. It's impossible not to pay attention to what she's singing. We got politicians running braces on corporate cash. So that contrast, at least for me, hit me right there in the first verse and uh, was was just really mesmerized by it uh, just right away. Yeah. And some, something I was thinking about a lot going into talking to you about this particular song that I've always really appreciated it. And I've always, I think about this a lot when I'm, not when I'm writing songs, but when I'm just like talking about politics and when I'm talking about things with people is she contrasts a lot of her um, takes against very traditional American values, very traditional, um, you know, religious values. Like she's a religious person. Um, And I feel like there's something really powerful about that, where it's not just like, you know, I'm really angry at the system. Like, you know, there's a lot of power in that too. Um, But I think there's also something powerful about being like the system that we all talk about wanting the system of like democracy and fairness, you know, the system that you hear about in religion about like helping the poor and stuff like that. Right. Um, This, I believe in this system and this system is, is failing. Um, And I find that to be a really powerful sentiment, especially kind of coming from this like yeah what what i think of as just a space you wouldn't usually hear this this kind of sentiment coming from you know yeah i think it's really powerful um and and also it's just it's so timely too maybe i should say not even timely timeless because i think it was timely in the 90s when it came out it would have been timely in each decade since then but it, it definitely i don't feel like it's dated in any sort of way uh, no today. it's 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 unfortunate but i think that's also something that is really well written about it that it speaks to these sort of common values right um and i think that's part of what makes it feel so timeless um i think we all wish it wasn't as timeless but yeah you know <laughs> for sure for sure so yeah that that track for me was definitely a standout on the album but there were you know, there were several, um, and, uh, yeah, there's a wall in Washington really, really kind of a, a, I don't know, just a very moving song. A boy travels far away, walk the path till he finds that something i've really appreciated about this record and and i mean again her entire catalog and and she's very um she doesn't release very much like you get she's released a very small amount of records um during her career and you can tell that they're very thoughtfully released and she's not gonna really like put out a record until she's really spent some time with it and figured out what should go on it and um but something that I've really appreciated about these records kind of like growing up 
with them. Again, I've been listening to Infamous Angel for 25 years, maybe, and been listening to this for 23 years, and most of her records for 20, unless they, you know, at a certain point I was buying when they started coming out. Um, but my life has changed so much, right? Like when I first started listening to these songs, I was still living with my parents. Um, and then since then and now it's like, I've seen so much more of the world that she is singing about because she's older than me and had had all these life experiences, right? Like, you know, I had never been divorced when I first listened to Iris Dement singing about divorce and things like that. And I, I'd never even touched alcohol when I first heard her singing about like alcohol and alcohol abuse, you know, and I never knew any people that had been to war when I first, you know, listened to a song like there's a wall in Washington. Right. And then now all these years later, I've had experiences with all these things, right? Like I have, I have my own children, right? I've been married. I've been divorced. I've been remarried. I've, you know, seen all parts of society and her music. So like my relationship with her music is kind of changed where you start to, if anything, it makes some of the stuff feel more profound as you have, you, you see how well she sort of handles certain subjects that even as, as a kid, you might just have sort of an interest in. And then as an adult, you've had experience with. Um, and so it's a record that really is kind of like grown only, only not just a record, like it's a body of work, I guess. Like I'm talking about all of her records that have really kind of grown on me over the years. And there's, I just have all, I have, I have different like life rituals, you know, where I'm like, okay, I'm going to listen to this song now. And, you know, it's very goofy sometimes, but there's just certain songs that of hers that I'll listen to during certain times you know experiences yeah yeah no i i definitely can can relate to that as well um you know and one thing too like you talk about how your relationship has changed with the album over time as you've you've gained life experience and i mean there's just there's a lot there i mean she she covers so much ground because there's political songs um there's a, a song about um sexual abuse and I don't know if it's autobiographical or not. I mean, it's certainly it's not. No, but okay. I mean, it's certainly yeah. written so well that, yeah. you know, I figured it easily could have been, um, you know, there, there's just, it just, yeah, it runs broad range. Cause it's, it goes from, you know, the, the political and things that could be kind of outside of her to things that, that really could be in her own experience. That one letter to mom about, about sexual abuse by, um, by her mom's or by you know in the song that the songwriter's mom's uh partner right um it's a really heavy song um and it was something again when i first heard i, I did just kind of assume that it must have been something that was personal again you don't have access to very much information um and it shaped it did shape a lot of the way that i sort of like thought about this this character the songwriter um and then as I sort of got it to read more and more about her, and again, there's not much out there. Like he, she's mm -hmm. very, she's very, she's very private. Um, and when she does do, do an interview, it's like appointment interview. It's like, they're really, really good. Um, and you hang, I hang on to like every word. And so I remember her talking about this song. And then when you see her live, she'll talk about her songs sometimes. Um, and I remember reading her talking about this song in particular, and how she felt like it was a really important topic that she wanted to um, to sort of write about for for women. She has a really really good relationship with her mom and her mom's on her first record, you know, with her and her mom's been a huge part of her life, you know, the way she talks about her mom. And I think she was afraid that people would hear the song and think that it was about her own life. Mm -hmm. But I think what she said was, was that she had to kind of like reckon with that because it felt really important. It, it felt more important to get this song out there and this sort of 
message out there than it was to make sure that her mom, you know, people didn't think this about her and her mom, basically. And I think that's really powerful, too. And I think that's like brave. And that's, um, yeah, everything I've read, every time I like read stuff that she says in interviews or or see her, get a chance to see her live and say a few words, it's also always very, um, so you get a lot out of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, uh, I watched a little bit of one interview and read a little bit of a transcript of an interview she did with Terry Gross. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, so I can imagine like what you say that it's, it's appointment to uh, listening or watching. Yeah. Um, yeah. I def- like I said, this is, this is such a great jumping off point for me. Cause I definitely, I want more Iris Dement now. <laughs> well, I'm going to, I'll, I'll try to, the good news is again, she only has a couple of records, but I, I can still try to guide you a little bit. Um, but one of the things I was going to mention, if you like this more political side, she'd kind of gone away from it, overtly political for a while. And then the album that she released just last year, or maybe even this year, earlier this year, um, Working on a World, has a couple songs that feel like they harken back to Wasteland of the Free. There's one called Going Down to Sing in Texas, um, which is just hits on a lot of the politics of today. It's very current. Going down to sing in Texas. And then working on a world was really, really nice song at the title track too. And it's, it's basically a, a, the idea is that you're working on a world that you'll never see. In other words, you're building this world for the, um, the future generations and the value of kind of like, it, 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 again, I, I don't know if this was written during the pandemic or not, because again, she, um, I don't know much about her process, but I, but I, I wonder if that was part of the, the influence for that was this idea of like true altruism and how you're sort of working on building this world for, for the future that you're never even going to see. Um, I don't know. I get chills even like thinking about that sentiment sometimes. So I don't know. I know we're not here to talk about her new record, um, but if you're looking to get into her, I would say there's. If you like the more political side, I think you'll find some stuff in the new record. Wow, I liked almost all of it, uh, and and I you know and I want to kind of clarify what I was saying too about um, Wasteland of the Free and some of these more political songs. Um, that's I think that's a really hard thing to pull off. Oh yeah, and I think much more often than not when. Uh, an artist tries to do a political song, it, it, it's kind of cringe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, it can be. Fa- so, um, I mean, certainly there's, there's, you know, there's been great ones written and performed, but it, you know, it wasn't just like, Oh, I, I love these tracks because, you know, it, it's in my wheelhouse is, you know, something that's really making a big statement. Um, it, it's that she does this thing that, that could go very wrong. And it is, I think very difficult to do. And she did it perfectly. Because yeah. with with the whole album, I just feel like she's like right here in my in my in my house. You know, um, it feels very personal. It feels it feels very authentic, and you could make the same kind of statements and wind up just sounding kind of preachy. So, uh, but it's not that at all. Well, I think I think she takes a huge risk here, just like I think she did with that song "Letter to Mom," right about about um sexual abuse and i think you you hear a lot about artists taking risks and things like that and i think this is just a great example where because it's not just the risk of backlash from a traditional country again this is 1996 right and this this song is still really for country radio um npr is definitely going to play it at the time and again she was big on the sort of furry home companion and NPR scene, but a lot of it was also just more traditional country radio, especially infamous angel had some just big country hits. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's not just the risk of alienating that audience, which I think feels like the obvious risk, but I think it's what you hit the nail on the head on. Like there's actually a lot of risk with a song like this of it 
being received as just cringe or corny, even by the audience that agrees with it, that you're sort of like, like, oh, you're really trivializing these issues. Uh, you know, I, I think of that song that Mighty Mighty Boston's made for George Floyd that a couple, you know, like a year ago that was obviously well-intentioned, but it could not have come off as, it could not have come off worse. Mm. Um, even though it was well-intentioned and kind of, it wasn't a backlash because of the politics of the song itself, right? It was backlash because of the, how the politics were being treated and were, were these being taken seriously? And is this really the right you know way to go about this? And so I think you take a huge risk with a song like Wasteland of the Free because you risk actually alienating like two audiences, not just one. Um, and I think it felt like, I just imagine she must've felt like that was a risk that she not was even willing to take, but that probably felt urgent and vital to her the way she talks about, about some of the stuff. And so it's, it's just something I've always really admired about her and her songwriting on this record. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's why it comes off so well. Cause I think there, there was an urgency there. Um, well, you know, I, I want to ask you about, uh, you, you alluded to it very early on some personal connections that you have to her and to the, the record. Um, yeah. uh, so yeah, it, it was, I assume that's something that that's developed over time. Cause you said that, um, you know, you've been listening to this album for more than 20 years, but yeah, I'm just curious about, uh, how you've developed some connections to it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I could, this might be an hour, <laughs> but I'll try to like, I'll try not, I'll try not to go through it like a checklist either. So, but, um, the, the first real connection, per, like, I don't mean connection, the first sort of like more personal anecdote or something maybe is the right word about, about Iris, um, to mint in this record is, um, now I'm trying to, well, maybe uh, first I was like the go in order. Um, I definitely worked her into like one of the for science songs, um, called soul dad and there's a line like i walked home from your apartment listening to iris to Matt, you know and because that was what was happening at the time like kind of literally but i remember a lot of people even back then kind of reading up on iris demand and then there's another couple songs also on that same record that don't mention her by name but like there's one that references something she said in an interview um like i read an interview with her and i felt like i was like responding to the interview of like things that she said and i would be like this person said that you know um and so there's a way it kind of connects to like more for science um for the few people out there that still remember that band um and Zach and I, who I started the label with, I got him really into Iris Cement in college because he was also like a hardcore kid. And I remember dragging him out. This is probably this was probably 2005, probably 2005 or 2004. We went to college in Boston um, and she played some show in like Massachusetts. Like it wasn't on the tee. You had to like we had to like borrow a car and drive out to like the middle of nowhere is like a folk show. I can't remember where it was. It was probably like, you know, I can probably imagine where in Massachusetts it was, but I don't remember specifically. Um, and then, I lived in the middle of nowhere in Massachusetts. So maybe it was out near where I live. It could have been like, I'm just imagining <laughs> like not, not, not Western mass, just, you know, like, oh, okay. you know, like one of these kind of like outskirts West of Boston, but not to the point of being Western you. mass Natick, like that kind of where they would have a folk show, like, like a capital F folk show. It was at like a hall, you know, and we were, we were like, we were 20, we weren't even 21. And it was all like people in their sixties and, you know, seated, you know, I think we like might've snuck some booze in, you know, cause we were kids literally. And it was just like, we both still talk about that. I'll never forget this vibe of like, but I was like, I remember we were, I was hanging on like every word, you know? And I think at first people were like, who are these kids here? And then I think they realized we were just there to like, see the, to see the show. And God, she played a fucking song that night too, that I've never stopped thinking about. And I was sure she'd record it for this record. Um, and it's a, I, I don't want calling it a cover is kind of weird. So she has this record called lifeline. 
which is her doing a lot of like gospel standards and writing a few of her own. Um, and it's something that's always been a part of her set is incorporating some sort of gospel standards and gospel songs. It's, from what I understand, it's like how she got into music, you know, and singing herself, I think was a family um, kind of family gospel group. Um, and she played this song called like, surely I will, or I think Lord, surely I will uh, she it on the piano. Um, and then I've just been waiting for her to release it. And then at some point she released a gospel, like right around after I saw it. So maybe it was 2004, because I think that record came out in 04. She um, released a record of all of these gospel songs she'd been playing. And then that wasn't on there. So I don't know if it was a B-side or not, or if she just performed it that night. Um, but I found a bootleg with, of her with her playing that song in it. And I, it's a song I think about a lot. It's just, it's, it, and again, I, I, I don't know. I have a lot of issues with traveling. Um, I have a lot of I have a lot of fear of flying, um, and I I don't have a fear of driving, but I spend a lot of time driving to and from places because of how my I don't mean commuting I mean like long like eight nine hour mm -hmm. drives like, um, and I, again I have a fear of flying, and I um, and this this song has this chorus like if anyone something like again I I remember this from. 20 years ago, something like, if anyone can make it all the way home, surely I will. Right. Um, and, but I was, I've been waiting for her to record that like forever. Um, and I still think about it and I've like found the hymn, but it doesn't really sound that good. That's why it, it, make, it makes you really appreciate her interpretations and versions of them on her record. And yeah, I still hope I, I still have this dream that maybe she recorded like 20 songs for this record, including that, and then picked the best 13. And that someday there will be like a deluxe edition that has that on their studio version. Um, so I've never heard her play it again. And that's what's interesting. It's like, I don't think it must've been a, I don't think it was the only time she played it, but it must've been like a special, you know, time that I got to see her play it. Cause it's just not as, I would have never even known that song existed otherwise. Um, what were we even talking? About? Oh, yes, just connection. Well, here's a, yes, here's, yes. A, here's an interesting one. So, our my label's distributor is um is Red Eye Worldwide, and when we were shopping for distributors, we were looking at a couple a couple of different independent distributors, and again, they were in, they they know the label for being like a punk and indie label and stuff like that. And so they had me talking to people there that would kind of be like, you know, these guys will talk about punk with you and stuff. And then I found out that they distributed um, Iris Dement's records. Like she had a direct deal with them for her. She does basically self-release stuff through mm -hmm. Red Eye. And then that was like, first of all, I was like, well, I'm sold. <laughs> I was like, I have to be part of this now. <laughs> um, and then I remember talking to this person, Lori, who like worked with work on that account like that's all the only person i want to talk to is this person who worked on like that account and ask a million and one questions and then you know I'll, I'll still reach out to her from time to time Lori, that is to be like can you send this to like iris dement's team and see it you know i never hear anything back um but i you know i've done some covers and stuff like that of over the years of her um and actually yeah i, I mean when i the, i think the reason i really wanted to like start playing guitar had a lot to do with trying to play her songs and eventually try to figure out if I could write them like that myself. The answer was that I couldn't, but you don't know that till you try. Um, and she does, she makes it seem really easy to write like a really good, like everlasting song, especially when you're a young kid with hubris. So there was a sense of like, I should start writing songs like this. This is something that I can do. And I think it isn't till you try that you start to realize because again someone like iris demand and a lot of great songwriters um john prine you know um mickey newberry like there's so many songwriters lucinda williams that just like make it seem effortless to write a good song and it makes it seem like it just rolled right off and it was like they're so good at it they make it seem effortless um and i think that's something i appreciate a lot about folk like you listen to frog rock or heavy metal or even a lot of like you know, capital R rock and roll, which I guess is probably still basically prog influenced. And you mm -hmm. just get a sense that you will never be able to to do this. It's like I'm listening to these 
experts um, do something that I'm just, it's too hard. It's like, I don't, I can't play my instrument that well. I never, I, I will never play my instrument that well. And what makes this good is how well you play it. So I like listening to those directors like that, but I've always appreciated and been really drawn more to like punk rock and folk um, because they at least make it seem effortless. They make it seem like anyone can write a punk song. Anyone can write a folk song. Um, and at some level that's true. Anybody can, and that's really special, but it also, it's not till you start doing that, that you appreciate a good punk song and a good folk song even more that you've realized like, huh, this seems easy, but actually I've now spent thousands. I've spent the thousand hours that Malcolm Gladwell told me to spend, and I'm still <laughs> nowhere close to being able to write a song like this. And there's just something really special about the good songs as a result. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, that's part of the genius of, of a lot of the great music is that it seems like it should be, be easy to play or easy to learn or easy to write. And you know, that it's all the hard work that makes it seem so easy. Um, that's really, that's really, really cool, Joe. Um, well, any, uh, final thoughts on the album? Oh man, uh, we know we only talked about one, about one song. We talked about a few. I know. Yeah. And I mean, we could, we could go a lot no, longer because there's so we never even got into the title track which i feel like is so important um but i yeah. also i recognize no one wants to listen to us talk for as long as we have but uh, i hope they do i hope they do too but maybe maybe they can i mean I, I think in some ways these records speak for themselves um but the title track was i guess i'll just quickly say actually felt like it came from that same spirit of like of punk rock that wasteland of the free came from but it was that other side of it about like free thinking and societal standards and you know and then there's just again there's just some lines in that song there's some lyrics in that song that i think about all i was I, you know every time it's um this time of year literally like and uh, the leaves are falling i think about the, the line about the um leaves you know dancing around like angels of robes are red and gold but then they're in the gutter you know shortly after october's leaves were dancing around like angels dressed in robes of red and gold but november's coming on now they're lying in the gutter and long ago every, i literally like every time i'm outside at this time of year I, I start thinking about that song and i'll put it on and it's it's a really good metaphor and um there's some really good both like metaphors and just just um straight what's the opposite of metaphor when you're just saying it <laughs> like <laughs> not an l it's just just truths i guess in that song that i've also and again it's the kind of thing that's just changed with me right like as i've as i've experienced more i think when you're 16 anything that's like be a free thinker fight you know don't do what society says at, at 16 that's all you want to hear sure and you're just like yeah um but it hits differently when you're older because and it comes from a deeper understanding it's it's not just like teenage rebellion and angst it's kind of this it's more about like real cultural and societal pressures to do things that, at times that you're not really ready to do them yet um and and the courage it takes not to right like the courage it takes to live your life the way that you ought to as she would say right as opposed mm -hmm. to the way that society kind of generally works um and it does it that's that's another one that like when you were when i was younger it just is cool because it's like yeah you know like <laughs> like teenage rebellion <laughs> you know i'm gonna i'm gonna cut school because that's what i should be doing like that kind of thing right like um and it's really different when you start thinking about you know like when you get married when you should have kids like what what stage of your career you should be in when and these these bigger topics where i don't know it's just, it's just that's just a really it's a song I, I come back to that one a lot so no i was just gonna say that that's a really good a good point to make about her writing um 
be, that yet you could imagine a similar song being written that's just like you know yeah stick it to the man whatever but i mean she's writing it and she writes a lot of these songs from the perspective of, of experience and you know there, there's a line in in that song um you know something about you know playing a game by somebody else's rules yep. so that's the perspective of a mature person you know well i i tried playing by the rules this isn't just some you know dumb teenage rebellion like you said this is i you know i spent years doing this thing and have figured out that i'm not doing any doing it anymore and it's that like deep resonance that did make me on several occasions listening to this album just want to go hell yeah (laughs) so that song for sure i wanted to say you know hell yeah or you go um wasteland of the free and uh, quality time too was another one where she just absolutely oh my god yeah nails nails the critique of of you know consumerism and and it's just like oh yeah you go (laughs) when they get around the dinner man they're damn near half dead so they drive through mcdonald's and put their kids up to bed they're upwardly mobile and everything is fine when they do get together man it's quality time that song's perfect and it's the same thing it just it even when you're a kid yourself, it hits in one way. And then you listen to, you keep listening to it as you have kids and grow and you start having family. And it's like, it hits, it just hits in a whole other way. Um, and yeah, I'm excited. Like I said, I could talk about her on this record for, I could do a whole podcast series, but <laughs> I, but so I'm just, if anything, I'm kind of excited that I've gotten at least you to kind of dip your toe in the water and hopefully we get some of the listeners to dip their toes in the water and i'm ha- you know she only has a couple of records and it's um and so you should uh should check them out like um and they're not all this i mean they're all heavy but they're not always as political but then even they're then they're deal with a lot of the politics of the personal right which again i think we saw a lot of that in hardcore punk also right like writing about what's around you she grew up in arkansas and she lives in iowa and you know like she's always just, she's really always felt like she's herself and telling her truth. And I think that's always what attracts me to any kind of art, any kind of music is people telling the truth, people being honest when it's hard, right? It's easy to be honest when it's easy, I guess, obviously, because I use easy twice. Um, but it's hard to be honest when it's not, you know, <laughs> you know, at times. And so I will always really admire people that can do that, you know, and it's everything I really like about, she just embodies everything I really like about music. And I think is a really good example of what I, again, she opened the door for me to this sense that there's stuff out there that's not, doesn't sound like punk and hardcore that is, and that's now a path i've been going down for 25 years and i feel like i listen to almost nothing that sounds like punk and hardcore anymore and it's but it's all the same spirit it's all the same you know i've just started to learn to find it in more and more places and i've kind of a record like this really made me rethink and then rethink again over the years what do i like about music what is that i actually like about music um and the answer is different for every person. And I think I might've thought it was like a mosh pit or, you know, or a stage dive or something you can like, I might've thought it was that when I was younger. And if you asked me, I probably would have said that. Um, but I think what this record challenged me to at an early age and then has continued to challenge me is well, if that's true, why am I resonating with this just as strongly? And then starting to realize that actually it wasn't, it wasn't, it was less about the sort of like um, superfluous elements, you know, superficial elements of, of punk, you know, the dress, the dance moves, like the, the lore, it was less about that kind of stuff. And it was more about um, the spirit and, where an artist was coming from and how they want to tell their truth. And I think that's, that's just what still drives a label like Don Giovanni. And that's what drives me to keep wanting to find records and find artists is looking for people that are kind of like screaming to 
tell the truth um, because they need to not be, you know, because they ought to, like she said, not because she should, because she kind of feels like that's something she needs to do. And there's just a lot of artists out there with the same spirit. And so, yeah, I don't know. Well, uh, I, I am sure glad that you did uh, make a change and <laughs> go with this one. Cause it was really, uh, it really just had a payoff for me uh, that I was not at all expecting. And I think we'll go beyond just exploring more of her music. Uh, but like you say, opening up more to country, to folk, to genres of music that I have certain ideas about um, that are probably wrong a lot of the time. Uh, on, on that note, Joe, um, you, you mentioned, uh, I think it's really cool that you mentioned that this album and, and albums like it just motivate you to keep doing what you've been doing with the label and with your own music. So what, what is coming up that we should be uh, looking forward to either with the label or uh, outside the label with your, yourself musically? Yeah. Well, it's, I, it's funny. I wasn't expecting to appreciate the space to plug. Um, I'm now like, let me look up. Well, actually this is a good space to say that we're doing a record with Jody Stecker, who is another like folk legend. I never thought I'd get a chance to, to like even encounter in any way. Um, and so we have a new Jody Stecker record, which is comes much more from the vein of Iris Dement as far as being folk, but it, his songwriting's completely different. Um, and then we have a Roadside Graves record and a band called Kind Beast. We just did this record from Teenage Halloween and a record from Dusk. A lot of our bands are on tour. Um, I don't know. You don't need to, you don't need to like include any plugs. I guess I can say this. Um, Marissa and I spent the last like, like I've put a lot of my energy into writing lately. And Marissa and I wrote like a graphic novel together that we spent like almost five years. You know, I wrote it. She illustrated it and kind of worked on it together. And that's finally seeing the light of day um, next March, I believe, which keeps coming around the corner, actually. Um, and so... I don't know. Like <laughs> that's, that's a good one to plug, I guess, but really, yeah, I would just plug Iris to listen to her new record working on a world. I don't get any money for it, but I feel more honest. Plugging it. I'm sure she would appreciate it. Uh, I, I hope so. I hope so. And if nothing else. Like I said, I, I hope maybe uh, some people will have the experience that I have and, and explore it if they hadn't already and, and see what's, what's so great about it. So um and, you know, since you, you mentioned uh, Marissa, anything uh, from Screaming Females? Uh, no, they, the, the the Desire, Desire Pathway is still their newest record. And then we released this documentary of their time in Alaska. You can watch on YouTube for free. Um, check it out. That's it. All right. Well, uh, try to put put as much of the stuff in the notes as I can. And well, that's what I'm saying. Don't worry about the plugs, man. It's like... Uh, you know, I, I have you for a limited amount of time, so I want to uh, want to spread yeah. the the good word about the label and everything you're involved with. So, no, I really appreciate uh, it. This was so much fun to do. Well, Joe, it's really fun to have you on here, and um, just to to uh, again continue to uh, do what I can to spread the word. Let folks know that the label, of course, has a website, uh, DonGiovanniRecords.com. And that's where you can find uh, the, the tour information and uh, you know, all the, the catalog that's on there. Uh, am I missing anything in terms of where people can keep up with you and the label? No, I think our website's the best. I know people like social media, but just go to our website. Fair enough. Ours. You, don't need to, you don't need to involve any other random corporations in finding us. Just go to the website. <laughs> Iris DeMet would probably appreciate that. She would so. appreciate that. She has a good website, too. <laughs> Great. Okay. Uh, I do not have, uh, well, no, I take that back. I do have a website. I have a sub stack. So uh, I'll, I'll start uh, with my plugs with that. Uh, Yumialbum.substack.com. I am on social media. Um, I am all on Instagram uh, at uh, Yumialbum. I should say the show. Uh, it's it's an account for the show. So at Yumialbum on Instagram and same thing on threads. I do have my own account on Blue Sky. Uh, just look me up, Al Melchior on Blue Sky. And I think that pretty much covers it uh, for me and for the show on social media. So uh, Joe, just again, thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for doing what you do. Uh, there's just so many great artists on the label. I've had the pleasure um, to, to talk to several of them and yeah. um, you know, I just wish you the best of luck with, with everything you got going on. You too. This was so much fun and go birds.
<laughs> All right. <laughs> Go birds. Okay. Well, oh, uh, <laughs> excellent. Well, uh, and good luck to, to whatever teams you all root for out there, but no, uh, seriously, no, thank- just the Eagles. <laughs> Well, thank you all for, for tuning in and listening. Um, and uh, always appreciate when you do that. And I'll be back again in a couple of weeks with uh, another guest and another album. So until then, everybody, please do take care, be safe out there, and of course, listen to some great music. And I don't want to get adjusted to this world. I've got a home so much better. I'm going to go there sooner or later And I don't want to get adjusted to this world And I don't want to get adjusted to this world I've got a home so much better I'm going to go